A very good morning to all of you today. It's good to see you here. Uh, so many of our brothers and sisters are not here today. Uh, so I greet them wherever they are. I'm sure many of them are watching. Uh, we had uh, a very serious uh, infection of uh, COVID in the week. So a good number of people, including the choir, as you have seen, most of the choirs are down. And uh, so we, we pray for them uh, that they will be able to uh, get back to strength very quickly. Thankfully, uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, so serious. You know, we, we have no chance to check whether it's Delta or Omicron, but from the way uh, things are, it looks like uh, our, our friends are infected by Omicron, which is mild. So it's not really, not, none of them is really very sick, but of course they can't be here uh, to keep us all safe here. Okay, thank you so much for keeping your eyes open, you know, keeping alert about the, the virus. Of course, when it comes, you may not necessarily be able to do anything about it, but we need to keep ourselves safe and do the best that we can to keep others safe as well. So we want to uh, pray for our, our friends. We can do that at the end and uh, pray that they will be able to recover all of them very quickly and completely. Today, I want to share with you a subject that I have entitled, Surrounded by a Cloud of Witnesses. Surrounded by a Cloud of Witnesses. I want to read from the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I read from verse 1 to 3. The Bible says here, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the question is, who are these witnesses? Of course, uh, this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and the whole of chapter 11 is actually talking about those witnesses, what we call the heroes of faith, people who have been walking with the Lord, people who have been faithful in their, uh, in their journey, and who have come to the end of their race without necessarily having received what, what they were waiting for and what was promised. That's what uh, Hebrews 11 verse 39 tells us. Let me just read that. These all were commended for their faith. All of these people in Hebrews uh, 11, those were mentioned, and there were many who are just mentioned in summary. You know, many who have been there were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what has been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us 
would they be made perfect? Now, that's a very interesting word. Uh, this is an amazing revelation that God is giving us here. And it tells us something that we must really consider very, very carefully. You know, God has had a plan. That's what the Bible says. God plans something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So in other words, all of those heroes of faith, all of those people who are in the cloud of witnesses, all of those people who have gone before us, they will be waiting for that which God had promised to them. You know, the city that God spoke about uh, many times, especially to Abraham and others, you know, and they are waiting for that city that can only be gained together when we are all completed, when we have all completed our race as well. So the Bible says, you know, there is something better waiting for all of us, ones who may come after us. Because God will make us perfect, but he will make us perfect together. And that's what we need to recognize very clearly. Now, the Bible tells us that believers are on a journey, a journey of faith and towards perfection. You know, as we read this uh, chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews, we see that very clearly, and we see it in many other scriptures. I want to touch here and there a little bit uh, as we go along. Now, this world is not an accident. God has put everything together, has put everything into motion. Of course, you have heard of the Big Bang. Uh, that uh, was the beginning of this universe. Uh, whichever case, you know, uh, the Big Bang may have been there, but it was still caused by God himself. Creation has a purpose, and that purpose is man who is called to be part of the family of God. You know, everything else that you see in this world, in the universe, in the cosmos, in the Milky Way, or whatever you may call it, everything that is even here on earth, everything is just for the one purpose, to prepare us for the very moment when we finally are going to be in the presence of our God. We are called into his family. This is the purpose for creation. If it was not for you and me, if it was not for uh, mankind who are made in the image and likeness of God, then creation was not going to be necessary. But God created all of this in, a, in great brilliance and magnificence in order to give us a space in which we can live and which we can admire God in all his greatness. God created a beautiful garden, as we all know, with a wonderful atmosphere so that mankind could live and succeed. Ideal circumstances were created by God for the first people that he put into his creation, that was Adam and Eve, and unfortunately, their children and their children's children, and even up to today, us, we have never had the chance and the opportunity to live in those ideal circumstances because even the very first people did not manage to live the way they should have. 
Even so, the circumstances were ideal to live by faith and to love God uh, and, you know, uh, journey towards the tree of life that God had prepared for mankind. What was meant for good as actually turning into evil? Because man did not conquer temptation. Man was very clearly told that he had to protect the garden. And of course, to protect the garden, you have to be protecting yourself. And Adam and Eve did not protect themselves and thereby even lose the ideal circumstances in the garden. So what was meant for good, for the best type of circumstances that mankind could ever, ever have wished for, turned into a fallen world. And the journey that we now walk is no longer uh, a journey in ideal circumstances, but nevertheless, believers will always be able to move ahead. You know, believers will make the best out of every situation. People who have faith, they will not look at ideal circumstances, but they will make sure that they keep their eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. And that's what we are called to do. You know, God has planned something good for us, and because he has planned something good for us, he marked out a road for us. He marked out a path for us, a race that he has laid down for each and every one of us, which has got something to do with the plan of God. This is what we clearly read here in the book of Hebrews. You know, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and is easily, the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So God marked out a race for us. God has a plan, okay? So you don't have come into this world, you didn't come into this world and then you are just uh, trying to look around and see, okay, what, how can I live my life? You know, we, we need to be aware. When we become children of God, all our steps are ordered by him. You can make your plans, but the Bible tells us that our steps are ordered by our God. And he orders them according to his plan, according to the great love that he has for each and every one of us. Of course, he will not force any one of us to follow his guidance, but if we are people of faith, for sure, we will definitely walk in his path. Now what we must understand is that God called and prepared many believers, many people before we arrived. And this is what I really want to emphasize on today. You know, today we see so many people are very busy trying to, uh, to, to uh, map out their strategy. They, they have got uh, new ideas of how God should bless them. And uh, very often we see people uh, you know, preparing their own kind of vision and tell God, this is what I want to see in my life. But we must understand that it's not about us who are living today. In fact, if we cannot fit into what God has done from the beginning up to today, then we will most likely miss the target. So today, yes, we are on the platform. It is now up to us to act and live our life in our 
confidence, in trust, in obedience to God, and to live our life by faith, keeping our eyes upon Him and allow Him to guide us according to His very plan. We must not limit the plan of God to our generation or to us as individuals egotistically. Unfortunately, that's what is very often happening in the world today. Many churches are no longer really understanding that they are part of the worldwide body of Christ and the timeless body of Christ that has been, you know, begun after the day of Pentecost when uh, Peter was preaching uh, the word of God after the spirit of God was poured out. So we must understand that we are not here on our own, but we are actually building on what others have been able to do in the past. So that's, that's why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is why the angels, this is what the angels were commended for, those who lived before us. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Okay, God didn't just take something and, uh, you know, molded it differently. In fact, the Bible tells us that God created this world out of nothing. Only God can do that. No human being can make something out of nothing. God is the one who creates through his powerful word of creation. And so the Bible tells us, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when he spoke well of his offering. You see, what we must see here is that uh, Abel and Cain were not living, not living in the ideal situation anymore, like uh, came a different type of life. They were no longer able to have the ideal circumstances in which to walk their, their, their uh, life of faith. Now they had to contend with all kinds of challenges. And you know, when you look at Abel, Abel understood from what he had learned from the word of God, which was definitely given to both of them, uh, Abel and Cain and the others who came later on, uh, their parents were teaching them the word of God. They taught them what God had said. And out of that, Abel understood that when you bring God a sacrifice, you need to bring the firstborn sacrifice. And that's what Abel did. And that's why the Bible says Abel still speaks, even so he is dead. His blood is still having a message for us. Cain, on the other hand, he was just bringing something of what he had been sweating for, and God said this is not good enough. God gave him advice what to do better, but he didn't want to. So we can see that now the world is dividing into people who live by faith and people who don't. People who want to do their own thing, and if you consider the life of Cain, you will very clearly see that Cain was doing what he thought he could do best. Okay? He, he wanted to walk away from God. He, he, he wanted to be protected, and God said, I'm going to protect you. Nobody is going to harm you. 
but he didn't really want to submit to the word of God like Abel did. So, looking at the line of Cain, we can't see anyone really coming out to serve God. Abel was dead, and it needed another son, Seth, who then was able to walk in the ways of God. So as we are walking through the book of uh, um, Hebrews 11, we see very, very powerfully all these men and women of God who lived by faith and not by sight, who listened to what God revealed to them and put it into practice. And that's what we need to do. You know, this is why the Bible tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We see all of these men and women that have been before us and have been able to give us a good testimony, have been proving to us that, it, yes, it's possible to live our life and overcome through the faith that we have uh, invested, that we have, uh, uh, that we have, have, that we have towards our God. So let me just read a few more verses from here. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Okay, so in other words, God wants us to live by faith until finally our last minute has come. God wants us to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Then the next sentence tells us, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So in other words, God gave promises, great promises to Abraham, uh, to all the patriarchs and the men of faith and the people who walked with God by faith. All of them had promises. Just like we today, we have got great promises. And the Bible says, when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city. You know, people who are, wow. So in other words, what this scripture is telling us, you know, people who have been living by faith and people who live by faith even today, they will one day come to the end of their race. Most of us will die, okay, unless we are the last generation but many people thought they are the last generation and had you not yet come. So uh, we, we need to understand that we have been born at one time and there comes a day when we will have to leave this very planet Earth. But that's not the end for us because of course we have Christ who has given us life eternal. When we believe in him and the one he's, was, who, who sent him, uh, the Father and the Son, then we have eternal life. And that eternal life does not uh, get terminated by our body giving up. But that life is forever. And this is what the Bible very clearly tells us here. So we must understand 
that while we are here, we are aliens and strangers. Sadly, many of us, we think we are here forever. And we put so much effort in the things that we are trying to build up. And there's nothing wrong with us to do what we can do to make our life well. But you, you should not uh, do this at the expense of the kingdom of God. Many of us have a problem to give, like Abel gave. You know, I showed you Abel was giving the firstborn. Okay? He understood what it meant to uh, give God a firstborn sacrifice. Okay? A first fruit sacrifice. Abel did not want to do that. And unfortunately today, we have so many people who put more emphasis on their own well-being, on their own future, than they put on the, uh, the, the plan of God for their lives. Because all one thing is clear, that none of us will be here in 50 years or 100 years, you know, the latest 100 years from now, probably nobody is here. Who knows? Maybe Jesus even comes in the meantime. But whatever the case may be, we must not forget that we have an eternal destination, not just a destination which we call home here in this world. So the Bible tells us very clearly that, you know, we have promises, but the promises will be not fulfilled here on earth. Okay, despite of what God may give us, how God may bless us, but the promises of God you know, those which are having to do with his eternal plan, they will not be fulfilled here on earth. Now, the word of God says that these people who were heroes of faith in the Old Testament, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, if we are looking for that which is our inheritance of God, God is pleased with us. If we have faith, you know, we please God. Because without God, we cannot please him. But with faith, we can be for them. And the Bible says, he has prepared a city for them. That means all the, believer, the believers, they will have an eternal city waiting for them. And this is exactly what Hebrews 11 verse 40 says, God had planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. So let's understand this uh, in greater details. You know, so it's not just about you and me who are living today. It's not just about our generation who is uh, alive today. It's about the plan of God, which has started right from the beginning of creation and will, which will end at the very time when he comes back again to conclude what he has started. So way back, God called Abraham and gave him an understanding of the city of God, okay? In Hebrews 11 verse 10, the Bible tells us that he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Okay, you, we all know that uh, Abraham was leaving uh, his original home where he was growing up because God called him. He said, I'm going to lead you to a place which I'm going to show you. And yes, of course, he left. 
He went to Haran, a city which was not exactly in the same direction where he was supposed to go. But in Haran, he got stuck for 12 years until finally, you know, he uh, was, was uh, losing his father who was with him at that time. And when he was buried, God spoke to him again and, and, and said to Abraham, Abraham, you have not arrived at your destiny. You still have to move on. And so Abraham moved on again and he came to what is known as Palestine, what is known as Israel today. Some people call it the Holy Land, but it's just another land, okay? It's uh, a place that God had given uh, Abraham to occupy. But actually, that was only the representation of a heavenly place here on earth. You know, as I was uh, speaking last week, uh, we talked about the New Jerusalem, the Mount Zion. You know, God actually has Mount Zion in the heavenlies. This is his home. This is God's home. That's what the Bible tells us. This is the holy mountain, which of course we cannot fully understand. Uh, the Bible tells us in, in Psalm 48, verse 1, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, the city of our God, his holy mountain. It is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the utmost heights of Saphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. So now we understand there was uh, the Jerusalem of Israel that was actually a city that was uh, occupied by the enemies uh, of God for a long, long time and eventually it became the city uh, of God when, when uh, David conquered that city and they called it Mount Zion. But the real Mount Zion is not on earth. The real Zion is the place where God dwells. The real Zion, or the real Jerusalem, which is also called the New Jerusalem, is in the very presence of our God. And that's what we must understand. So in other words, uh, the Mount Zion in Israel, or Jerusalem in Israel, is just a local representation. It's just like an embassy of another country somewhere else. And uh, that's what we need to uh, Understand, because we are not going to inherit a city in the Middle East. We are going to have a city in the presence of Almighty God, in whom God will dwell. In which God is going to dwell. So the Bible tells us that he is going to work out whatever he has promised through the life that we live here on earth, you know, in often very complex circumstances, believers keep their eyes on the goal. And that's what I'm talking about today, that we keep our eyes upon Jesus. He's the one who has put the plan into being, and we need to keep our eyes upon him because he's going to guide us along the way that is marked out for us. But also we get encouragement from those who were going before us. These are our witnesses. These are the ones who are cheering us on so that we are not making a blunder along the way. Today, we are very fortunate to have many testimonies and encouragements 
from those cloud of witnesses. Time and again, we are visiting scripture. We are visiting the life of many other people. You know, we are visiting uh, the life of, uh, of people like Moses, like David, uh, like the prophets, you know, Elijah and Eliza. You know, all of these people, we are, we are visiting them because they give us encouragement. In fact, the Bible is a book of the lives of people who have believed in God. Of course, along the way, you always have the others as well who didn't believe, but God has determined to give us this book as an encouragement so that we understand how we can live our life successfully in this world. And we have got so many good examples. We have people like Samuel. We have got people like Joseph. We have people who have you know, shown us through their faith how to overcome the circumstances that sometimes are very hard, very difficult, very harsh uh, in this world. So now God is saying that he planned something better. And, and I think this is a very powerful, a powerful promise that God has said here. The believers who went before us have completed their journey but they are still waiting. They have not yet seen the promise come to them simply because we are not yet completed. We are still on the journey. You see, the perfection of God's plan needs all of the people of God. Okay? Like uh, the scripture had said in Hebrews 11, 40, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us. So in other words, the believers of old and the believers of today and the believers of tomorrow, if they will be there, all of them together will be able to complete the job. So perfection needs all of God's people. It needs you, it needs me. Hey, that's good. So all of us who are gone before us are actually in a waiting pattern. They are watching and they are waiting for us. Because without us, the work is not going to be completed. Perfection cannot be achieved without us finishing our race and overcoming according to the call of God. So the plan that we are talking about has been revealed to the old Believers, the patriarchs, as we call them, you know, Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, and all the others uh, that were living after them. And this plan could only be authored by God. You know, it cannot be written today because, you know, we are far into the story already. So we must understand that. Now, the Bible is, is very clear that... We should not interfere with the plan that God has laid out, okay? That's why we cannot just tell God that we have got our own vision and we want to have our own thing to be done. That's why the Bible teaches us, you know, that's why Jesus teaches us that the will of the Father shall be done on earth as it is in heaven because the plan of God is already laid out very clearly. And we just simply need to recognize that plan of God and live by it. Now, the 
plan of God requires, and I, I want you to understand this, I want to use a picture that we have in the sports. Okay, maybe it's a, a, a small example, but nevertheless it gives, us, it gives us an insight. You know, there is something that we call a relay race, isn't it? A relay race means there may be four runners, I'm not sure whether there are other runners or more runners as well, but anyway, that's what I know, four runners. And uh, each runner has to run their race, okay? But you cannot know who is the overall winner. Even if one runs his race so well and is number one, if the other three are not doing the job well, then there may still be a losing team at the end of the day. Because it needs all four to run in such a way that at the end of the day, they will be crowned champions. Now, this is exactly what we need to understand. You see, we are all to be integrated into the perfect city of God. But those who were before us, they were running their lap. They have completed their lap, but now they are waiting for us in our season to also run our race and finish our lap. Okay, now of course through the generations there have been many, many different uh, seasons and uh, in all these seasons people have, you know, you can go back in history and most of the time when we are studying history we are actually uh, looking at all the kind of wars and the, the upheavals in the world but we are not looking at the history of the church. But when you look at the history of the church it is all amazing that within the sometimes very, very dire circumstances, there were always people who ran their race and overcame and got the prize, okay? They left this, the, the stage eventually and then others came and continued running the race. So like in a relay, you know, the first runner runs, he cannot celebrate, even if he is number one, he cannot celebrate because he doesn't know whether he's going to win. It needs all of the others also to finish. Then the next one comes, he runs his race, his race, and he may win, or he may come second. Whatever the case may be, the next one comes, the next one comes, and only when all of the runners have run their race can they now be able to celebrate. Because only together will they go to the podium, will they be standing on top number one and be honored as the winners of that race. That's exactly what the, God, what the Bible is talking about here. Only together with us would they be made perfect. This is amazing. Now, let me just read uh, a passage of scripture from the book of uh, Revelation. Revelation chapter 21 first, and then 23, or 22. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 9 says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Okay? Now this is a picture. This is an illustration. You know, we are called the body of Christ, but we are also called the bride of Christ. There are many different pictures God is uh, uh, applying so that we get a better understanding. So, uh, the angel comes to John, who is uh, having that revelation, and tell, he tells him, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. Okay, a, a mountain great and high. That's not a mountain on earth, but it's the mountain of God. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had great high walls with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were, there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three of the south, on the south, and three on the west. The walls of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, interestingly, you know, this is the city that the angel is showing to John. And of course, this was something far into the future that was, was not going to happen at that moment in time. You know, uh, John was living uh, during the days of Jesus, and he became a very old man when he had the revelation. Uh, he was probably over 90 years old, but it was still very far from today, you know, still about 2,000 years back. But he was able to, sh to see forward into the future because God revealed to him what is going to come. So God is building a city. And it's very interesting that the, the city is wearing the names of the people, okay? Uh, now, uh, John could not see everything. He could only see a few things, you know? And what he could see is that there were the 12 tribes of Israel written on the walls of that city. And on the foundations, there were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, including his own. Amazing, isn't it? Your name and my name were not there yet because the city, of course, needed to be complete. Of course, that was a revelation, and God does not show us every detail inside and outside this, but this is a city that, a city that is made with blocks and cement. Okay, but this is a city that was that is being built with living stones. That means you and I are part of these very living stones. Now let me go to the book of Revelation 22, verse 3. And the Bible says here, talking about what God is going to do, you know, the better thing that He is, you know, keeping to the very end, where all of us, the believers of the past and the believers of today, and those who are yet to come are coming together. And the Bible says here, no longer will, be, will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in this city. His, serv his servants will serve him. Okay, so we are always remaining the servants of God. Amen? But listen, we are more than the servants of God. We are also the sons of God. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Okay, so in other words, their nature is God's nature. Okay, so we are no longer just servants, but we are now children of the most high God. Okay, we are family because we are part of the same DNA with God himself. Okay, we are bearing his name. So his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more nights. 
there will be no more, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, okay? Because that is no longer relevant in that city. It's no longer there, okay? Just like in the beginning, you know, when God said, let there be light, uh, there was no sun yet. The sun only came later. But it was the light of God that was shining forth. And the Bible says, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. So in other words, you know, God is calling us to serve him. And we are servants. Just like Jesus was the servant of all. But when he humbled himself, even to the very death on the cross, God lifted him higher than any other creature ever. So that every name, that at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. And we are going to be servants alongside Jesus who are serving him just like Jesus did. But at the same time, God elevates us, lifts us up together with all of the believers, past, present, and future, and makes this wonderful city out of us all. And all our names are being written, you know, on our foreheads. In fact, when you look at the city, it's us. It's you and me who are going to complete the plan of God in an amazing fashion. Okay, so God is, you know, having the final crowning of the champion, so to say, you know, at the very end when all the runners have run their race because then everything is complete and everything will be perfect. And God says God has planned something better. We must be made perfect together with all of those together who were before us and of course those who are living today. This is the plan of God. It's a wonderful plan. So in the meantime, God is shaping us. God is grinding us. God is polishing us. You know? And the Bible tells us that he will remove every spot and wrinkle from his bride, from the body of Christ, from you and me. So whatever is still a stain on you, Whatever you are still struggling with, God is able to remove all of these things and make you an overcomer, make you complete. Because you and everyone else who believed in Christ, who ran their race that, marked, that God marked out for all of us and ran and won, we are going to be put together and become to completion, to perfection not just to completion alone, but to perfection. Different places, you know, getting timbers from Lebanon, going into uh, the places to get the, uh, the stones uh, out of the, of the rocks, the, out of the ground. They didn't bake uh, blocks like we, or, or, uh, like we do it today, but they had to dress the stone that came from the mountains. They got it all done in the quarry. And everything was prepared in the quarry. Every stone was uh, meticulously prepared according to the place which that stone was to have in the very temple of God. 
And when finally the temple of God came together, then there was no noise heard. The Bible tells us there was no hammer, there was no noise. Everything was put together in a perfect way. You know, this is almost difficult to understand because, you know, on a building site, usually there's always noise, but not with God. And if this was true with the temple of Solomon, it is even much more true with the temple of God. So God is busy preparing each and every one of us today, and we are going to be brought together completely and perfectly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 tells us, the body is a unit, so it is made up of many parts, and so all of its parts are many. They form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the one spirit into the one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of, of many. So we are the body of Christ. And God is busy preparing that body, making that body come to perfection. Those who were before us, those who are living today, and those who will come after us, they will all have to run their race. And when everyone, when the last runner has run the race, then there will be the crowning. Then there will be the building that is going to be completed in perfection. And that's what God says. He is going to complete his temple in perfection. God wants us to be firmly planted as the pillars of God in his house. So let us keep on track as we keep our eyes on Jesus because he knows the way. He is the originator of the plan. He knows every detail. And if you are struggling here or there, let him help you out. You know, he is able to help you to overcome. We all know that our first parents failed to overcome temptation. And often we have failed as well. But the Bible says the righteous man, even so he may fall seven times, he will always get up again. And so let us keep running the race that God has put before us. You know, God is able to give us that victory that he always gives to all the people who believe in him. Revelation 3:12 says, "He who overcomes, I will make a pillar of the uh, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So we are listening. We are hearing what God is saying to us today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2021, all of us are very true. Isn't that powerful? You see, God is giving us a very clear picture that we should never be, you know, disappointed, never be uh, tired and afraid and giving up but we should always keep our eyes upon Jesus and never forget others who were equally, equally, equally struggling like you do today. 
they have been able to make it. They have been able to overcome. We have all these wonderful witnesses. And it's good for us to once in a while go and read Hebrews chapter 11 from the very beginning to the very end, going even into chapter 12, telling us, you know, God is telling us how others have made it, how others have overcome, and how we can overcome. So God gives us encouragement that, yes, we are not alone in these worlds who run this race. God encouraged those who were before us, and he encourages us today. He gives us strength. Actually, he has given us the Holy Spirit to be on our side so that we are never growing weary, so that we are never giving up. So, people are waiting for us to complete our race. Those who have gone before us, they are equally anticipating what is going on. Okay? It's almost like in a stadium, you know, we are playing down there our, our, our game, and others are waiting. Those who have run their race before, they are now sitting in the, in the terraces, in the ranks, and they are cheering us on. Hey, get going, get going. We want to, we want to be crowned all together. Okay? And that's what goes, is going to come. So let us finish our race. And I'm not saying we must die today or tomorrow. No, we, are, we, 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 we just finish every battle on the day that God gives us. And hopefully God gives us many more years, many more days, so that we can run our race and overcome. But let us be able to keep our eyes fixed upon him. He is giving us encouragement. He's giving us strength. He's giving us the witnesses who have been able to make it before us. The Bible says the righteous will live by faith and not by sight. If you want to see, then you must visit the witnesses because those you can see, you can read their stories. Okay? And it's a great encouragement, you know, to understand how others have struggled. And you know, there are many stories in the Bible, as I've mentioned. Many of them are written even in the book of Hebrews 11. These are the clouds of witnesses who have gone before us. This is a cloud that encourages us. But we need to keep our eyes upon Jesus, who has started everything and who will complete everything in our life. So may God bless you. And remember, God has called us that we complete the work together, you know, the run of our race, that we will be made perfect together. Okay? When all of the runners have run the race, then there will be a crowning taking place. Okay? You know very well in football, or soccer, as we also call it, you know, you have to play a lot of games. And only at the end of the season, when now you have lost some and won some, you know, the accumulation, the table is going to show who is, who is the champion. I don't know whether any one of you follows uh, Grand Prix. Recently, there was the last race, I think it was last week. And the one who was uh, sought to win, lost in the last lap of the race. And of course, he's 
he's been shocked. He has not said any word since then because, you know, he was so sure that he had the wind in his back. But sometimes you can't be sure, you know. It's only until the last person has run their race. And God is calling us to run our race in such a way that we get the price. Okay? You get, Paul says, run your race. Run to win. Okay? And that you get the price. And may we all run our race to get the price, not only for ourselves, but also for all those who run before us. Because we are going to be able to receive our prize together. We are coming to completion. We are coming to perfection together with all of them. May God bless you as you run your race that is marked out for you. And don't forget to keep your eyes upon him who is author and finisher of your faith. That is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your word, for your word of encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that there were so many believers before us. We know how people have struggled in this world, and many thought of being losers, and yet they won their race. Some have been considered losers in the eyes of the world, and yet in your eyes, they are clear winners. So, Lord Jesus, we look up to you and we pray, Lord, help us to run our race in such a way that we win the prize and that we are able to make those who have gone before us win us as well. Lord, there is a great responsibility on the last runners. Just like in a steeple race, if the last runner fails, then all of them will lose. And so, Lord, there is a great responsibility on all of us to run our race in such a way that we are going to win and make all of those who have gone before us win as well. To you, Lord, be the glory and the honor for our perfect plan that you have made. And Lord, help us that in our lives, that plan will come to its fulfillment. That race that you have marked out for us, help us that we run this race successfully and that we bring you glory and honor in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.